0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Emmanuel, which means God with us. You've probably heard that spoken at most Christmas services over the years. The Lord the virgin will give birth, sorry, the, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I'm sure Joseph's head was in a bit of a spin going into the dream, thinking, what's happened to Mary? His head was probably in a spin coming out of that dream, finding out it was a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit, and it was to fulfil an old prophecy. Um, nevertheless, I'm sure he was encouraged, I hope he was encouraged, that his, his fiance was carrying this promised Messiah. I mean, what an amazing thing. I'm imagining next week we'll look at the Nativity and some of that story again. So this week, actually, what I want to do is actually look at the other place in the Bible where this name, Emmanuel, is found. And that is, as I say, back in Isaiah chapter 7. And we're going to spend most of our time looking at this, partly because I think there's lots of interesting things we can learn about it. But also, I think then it will give us a bit of a help towards particularly this first verse, but other parts of this song before we then sing it towards the end. You'll see in this, in this first verse, you've got references to captive Israel an exile, and you may be wondering what are those things about. Well, hopefully by looking at Isaiah 7, we will get an answer to those things. So let me give you the backstory to Isaiah chapter 7. Israel, God's people, by this stage have actually divided, so there's been effectively a civil war. You may or may not know that. So there was a united Israel, and then at some point actually there was a break. And 11 of those tribes continued under the name Israel in the north, and and you had Judah which was the other tribe in the south with, with its capital, Jerusalem. So we're in this part of the history of Israel. And actually, the history of Israel, those 11 tribes in the north, was pretty bad. They regularly went away from God. And actually, at this stage in the story, it is so bad, they have actually even teamed up and cooperated with the Syrians in an attack on Judah. And it is quite incredible how far it has fallen from a united Israel to this. They're actually then on the attack against Judah. Now, in Judah, in Jerusalem, you've got King Ahaz. So he is the king at this point in the story. And he is seeing what is happening. And he has seen that much of his Judah, much of that territory, has already been overtaken. And now the enemies are approaching Jerusalem itself, this fortified city where he has retreated to. So that is the context which this prophecy then comes to Ahaz. Isaiah is the prophet and he is the one who gives this prophecy about behold a virgin will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. That is when you first see the name Emmanuel in scripture and it's given to Ahaz in that context. Ahaz isn't a great king by the way, he's actually in many respects quite a wicked king. And yet in that very, very dark moment in the history of Judah, that is when this promise that Emmanuel is going to come. I just wanted you to know that's where it comes from. Now why, let's pause and think, why would God say to Ahaz in that moment and give this particular detail that a boy's going to come from a virgin birth and he'll be called Emmanuel, God with us? Was saying to Ahaz in that moment, God is with you, something new to Ahaz? Possibly, but actually it probably wasn't. Because Ahaz, although he wasn't a great king, actually, he and the people of Judah and the people of God would have regularly looked back through all the scriptures over many, many years and known, time after time, God say things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or he would say things like, I will be your God and you will be my people. So this idea that God is with Ahaz and with the people in their struggle, in their battles, wasn't particularly new. And yet God seems to me to go beyond what they've already understood before which is to say, there is one coming who is going to be called Emmanuel. It's almost like he's saying, if you need reassurance, if you need proof even that I am the God who is with you, actually there is a day coming where one is coming and he will actually have the name, God is with you. It's almost this extra reassurance for Ahaz in his time of trial. And I think this benefits Ahaz in the moment. You might think, well, what good is it for Ahaz to know that at some point in the future a baby is going to come. He is facing an army attacking his city here and now. What good is it to know that at some point in the future, God is going to come and be with us through this boy? Well, I think it helps Ahaz in two ways. I think firstly, it encourages him to look forward. And here we get straight back to what Phil was sharing this morning. It encourages him to look forward, and it actually encourages Ahaz to look back. It encourages him to look forward because what God is saying is, at some point in the future, one is going to come. He's going to be called Emmanuel, God, with us. Okay? In other words, Ahaz, what you're seeing now in your battle right now, it is not the end of the story. You might think that this is so overwhelming and this is the end of God's plan for his people. It can't possibly survive this. How can we possibly survive this attack upon us? God is saying, no, 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 Ahaz, there's a day coming. There's a day coming, Look forward. And that is true for us today. You might look around in this world and think, what, what's gone wrong? Is it, what is happening here? And God is saying, no, 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 look forward. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So it helps Ahaz to look forward. It also helps him to look back. It's so important to remember the faithfulness of God over the years. And actually, the reason this particular prophecy about a boy coming would make Ahaz... And the other people of God look backwards, is because actually it's not the first prophecy about a baby to come. Okay, it's the one that's our focus this morning, Emmanuel God with us. But actually, this isn't the first time the people of God knew that there was a promise of one who was to come. Ahaz and the other people, they would take their minds all the way back to the beginning. And from that point in the beginning of the story, which I'll touch upon, All the way through, they will see the purposes of God have been faithfully uh, fulfilled. And so they can trust him in the battle that they are facing in that day. I want to just take us back then to that very first prophecy of a baby to come, just to help you piece those two things together. It's actually in Genesis chapter 3, and the context is this, that Satan has tempted Adam and Eve in the garden and they have sinned. And in in response to that, God basically comes to Satan and speaks directly to him. And he says, he gives a warning, I guess he's almost um, declaring war upon Satan. And he says to Satan this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Another word is between your seed and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, what God is saying is one is going to come from a woman. Someone is going to be born from a woman and that, will be, that boy will be your enemy. And you might think that you have defeated him. You might strike him and it might look like you've defeated him. But afterwards, he will come. He will put his foot on your head and crush you and you will be utterly and permanently defeated. Okay, so that's the promise of God right at the very beginning. One is coming. Okay, now put your mind in the position of satan at that moment you see actually throughout scripture he gets paranoid about this he gets paranoid about this prophecy because when god promises something it is done it can't be undone it is absolutely certain so when god has promised this satan knows it's true okay and he's paranoid about it i wonder whether he was i'm assuming he was actually paranoid when cain was born who was the first boy to eve i'm guessing he would have just assumed well that's the one First boy born to a woman, maybe that is the promised one who is going to be my enemy. And maybe Satan has a sigh of relief when he sees Cain murdering his brother Abel, thinks, like, okay, that's not, the, that's not the promised one. Or maybe then Enoch comes on the scene, and Enoch, he lives hundreds of years, and he speaks and preaches righteously throughout. Maybe he's thinking, maybe it's Enoch. Is Enoch the one? Is Enoch the promised one? And maybe he has a sigh of relief because Enoch's taken up into heaven, and that's not him. Maybe it's Noah. Noah is described as a friend of God in a context where everyone outside of his family was wicked, utterly wicked. Noah, friend of God. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the promised baby growing to a man who is to be my enemy. Again, maybe he breathes a sigh of relief. Noah gets drunk, embarrasses himself. No, it's not Noah. And so it goes on and on. But what seems to change, I think, is that rather than this It's kind of paranoid that it could be anyone at any place who is this prophesied baby to come. Actually, covenants are given to God's people. More information is given gradually to Abraham and Moses and others, which points towards, no, this isn't just someone who will appear anywhere. This is someone who will appear through this line of people tracing all the way back through to Adam and Eve and to God. So suddenly, Satan almost seems to me has this... um, Understanding that I need to wipe out the people of God if I'm to undo this prophecy from being fulfilled. Does that make sense? He becomes obsessed with ruining this line of people. And now when we go all the way through now to Isaiah chapter 7, I think personally... It puts this war, this battle, in a bigger context, in a truer context. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is just a war of different nations against one another like you might see at any other point in history. For me, this seems like this is the enemy trying to get rid of the last remnant of the people of God. Can I get to Jerusalem? Can I ransack it? Can I kill and get rid of this prophecy that one is going to come who will ultimately crush me? Satan is relentless in his pursuit of the people of God in his attempt to save himself. It's encouraging to Ahaz then, isn't it, that he can look back at this prophecy, of this this first prophecy, when a promise is given that one would come And in this moment of distress, when it feels like surely this must be the end of God's people, God says, not only am I encouraging you to look back and see my faithfulness, how I have kept this line of people going throughout, through many trials and tribulations, actually I'm telling you Ahaz, it doesn't finish here either. It goes forward and actually there is a day coming when I will give my son and actually his name will be Emmanuel. That is the certainty you can have with this promise being fulfilled. The enemy will be utterly defeated. I don't know if you remember, there's there's a a hardware DIY kind of brand of shops called Wix. It used to have a slogan, maybe it still does, and its brand or a slogan was, it's got our name on it. And by saying that, it's got our name on it, they were saying, you can trust our products because it's got our name on it. If you see the name Wix on it, you can trust it. I don't know whether they're particularly good or not, but that's (laughs) what they wanted you to think at least. You can trust us, it's got our name on it. Well, God is saying, My very name means I am with you. So committed am I to this promise that I am coming for you and will completely defeat all the evil that surrounds you. So committed am I to being with you in the struggle, I'm even willing to put my name to this. He is absolutely prepared to risk his reputation. God isn't afraid of that. He is willing to get in amongst the mess of it, of this world, and he says, I'm going to be with you, and this is my... Sign to you, Ahaz, in this moment, that you can trust me. I will even take upon that name. He intertwines, he mixes up his promises with his very name. It's quite an amazing thing. So we can worship him this morning as the God who is with us. Not just this idea in our head, but it's actually his name. He is with us. Ahaz is... Well, God delivers an amazing victory for Ahaz, and actually he does it also with his son Hezekiah in a very similar situation a few years later. But sadly for both the northern tribes of Israel and also Judah, unfortunately they don't learn from their past mistakes, and actually there does come a point where judgment comes upon them for the disobedience, and actually they are exiled. So Israel first and then Judah second, they are exiled to other nations, and that's why we see this, this line, captive Israel that is mourning in lonely exile, there came a point in the history, actually, they were sent into exile. And as Phil mentioned earlier in our time of worship, there is then hundreds of years of waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. God doesn't forget his promises, despite this period of exile in which they find themselves. The people appear broken and humbled. If we just go to the next verse, Martin, you'll get a sense in this songwriter, I don't actually know who wrote this song, but you'll uh, actually, maybe it's the next verse, sorry. No, I think we've missed a verse. Don't worry, it's my fault. I think I possibly gave the wrong verse. But the, this particular song, when you sing it, and you actually the tones even of the song, I'm not musical at all, but even the actual sounds and the tones of the song, there is a sense of longing, there is a sense of mourning even, that we are in exile, but we've been told of this promise, and we're going to wait upon him and trust upon him, because he's given us His promise. He says he is the God who is with us. More than that, it's actually his very name. So I can absolutely believe it to be true. There is this feeling of longing and aching almost in the way this song is sung. And again, that might mean something to you this morning, that there is almost an aching and a longing in you for the Holy Spirit. There is a longing and an aching for you that Jesus would come again. That's certainly my hope, my dream that God would come again in my lifetime. It's It's up here now. It's got a funny, we realised there were some funny little um, editing things in this. Apologies for that. Uh, If you go back up one page, Martin. That one at the bottom, there we go. The advent here dispersed the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. You just get the sense of darkness and desperation in the people at this point in the story. They are longing for this promise to be fulfilled, that God would come to them and be with them and that is our cry again this morning so I'll just sort of draw to a close and ask is, what does this, all this mean for us today we've looked about the context of Isaiah chapter 7 what does it mean to us today I guess other religions they kind of tell you you need to try and get to God or gods, whereas the message of Christianity is that God came to us it's a wonderfully different message and it's one to praise him for. He has come to us. It's interesting in our moment of worship that just before Owen came up and prayed and wondered whether there were people who, are, I can't remember the exact words Owen used, but I guess in need or in distress of some kind. Well, I want you to know if you are in that place in your life today, God is with you. God is with you. You might be a very lonely person here this morning. God is with you in your loneliness. You might be someone who's sick. You might be someone who is grieving. You might be someone who is in debt and you cannot understand and you cannot see a way through. But God is with you. He is a God who draws alongside. He is with you in your struggle, just as He was with Ahaz. It's interesting that God gave this um, encouragement to Ahaz in his darkest hour, in his moment of real difficulty. It's the kindness of God that he would draw to us and give us his reassurance, this extra bit of information, really, for Ahaz at that point. He filled, he filled out the story a little bit more, allowed Ahaz to see something at that point no one else had seen. It's very kind of God. And while, whatever we are experiencing, however difficult God's kindness is, that he draws alongside you and says, I'm with you in this. I don't know whether he, when you hear that phrase, the darkest hour, um, it sort of takes your mind sort of through to Winston Churchill and that period of history in our country. Um, in, after the war, Churchill referred back to that period, sort of 1940, I think, or thereabouts, where it was Britain's darkest hour. It felt like Britain was almost last standing with the Commonwealth countries, but it was almost no-one else there. America hadn't, I think, joined the war at that stage. It was Britain's darkest hour. And Churchill, as you'll... No, I'm sure gave amazing speeches and one particular speech at that in that period, which really galvanized and motivated and encouraged the people to keep on fighting. Well what God does here is actually far greater than that. I'm not trying to take away from what Churchill did, but what God does here is so much greater. Because he's saying, whatever the battle, however many battles, whatever context you find yourself in, actually, I've already secured the victory for you, and I'm in with you in this battle. So we can know that to be absolutely true. He is the God who made the heavens, just spoke it into being. We can completely trust him in whatever we are facing, that he is the God who is with us. In a minute, in fact, maybe Phil and Hannah, maybe you just want to kind of come to the front and and get yourselves ready to sing this song together. There is a real longing and aching in this song, as you'll see when we sing it. And I want to encourage you in your response to come to God, long for him. I talked at the very beginning about gazing upon Jesus, God who is with us. Well, as we sing together, I encourage you just to pour out your worship, pour out your cry to him to come The Holy Spirit to come and fill your hearts right now. Jesus to come again as he promised. Let us stand, let us praise him for being the God who is with us.